I don't know how much you've been paying attention to news out of Ukraine recently. There was um, a tweet today from Kira Rudik, who's been on the show before. She is an MP or member of the uh, of parliament in Ukraine, and she was tweeting out a picture of Kiev in the dark tonight. Because you probably have been reading and seeing um, that the Russians have been targeting infrastructure well behind the front lines, like hundreds of kilometers behind the front lines have been targeting Ukrainian infrastructure, basically trying to leave the place dark and cold as we head into winter. And as we've said many times on this show, if you want to know what the weather's like in eastern Ukraine and you happen to live on the prairies, then step out the door because that's exactly what it's like. It looks like it and it feels like it. It's um, it's that same kind of, as you get into October, you get that same chill in the air. I've been there in the spring, been there in the summer, been there in the fall. Uh, one each, I think, or maybe it was winter, actually. I think I was there in the winter, uh, but it's cold. Um, the U.S. and key Western allies tonight are accusing Russia of using Iranian drones to attack civilians and power plants in Ukraine in violation, of course, of a 2015 U.N. Security Council resolution and international humanitarian law. In addressing the Security Council, a U.K.'s deputy ambassador to the U.N. Uh, says that Russian drone strikes are a terror tactic. Russian attacks mean that Ukrainians are losing their ability to heat their homes and cook their food. The intent behind these attacks is clear. Russia is seeking to subjugate Ukraine by terrorizing civilians. Indeed, and they have been doing that since the get-go in this latest phase of the war uh, that began back in February. So as winter approaches, the war continues and the attacks on civilians continue and on infrastructure continues, the need for help Medical help specifically shows no signs of slowing, and that's where our next guest comes in. Dr. Tracy Parnell is based in Cranbrook. Uh, she's been getting set to return to Ukraine this week, I believe, a little later this week, to help medical teams there coping with what she calls a catastrophic situation. She's also raising money to bring much-needed medical supplies to the country, everything from tourniquets to stretchers. Uh, and joining me now is Dr. Tracy Parnell, who specializes in emergency medicine and is also an expert in crisis and disaster management. Dr. Parnell, thank you so much for your time. It sounds like you're perfectly suited for that conflict, and that's saying something. Well, thank you very much for having me, Ben. It's quite an honor to speak with you. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have a unique skill set that is sadly um, being put to use in, uh, in Ukraine. Um, and as you sort of led with the, the catastrophic effects that are happening there, I, I think we only get a glimmer from, from the news and, you know, perhaps from, from Facebook. But to actually be there and to see the extent of not only the infrastructure damage, which, as you pointed out, is going to be more extensive now. They're really targeting, you know, previously safer places. Um, but the, the devastation with regards to the number of patients being wounded and, and the extensive wounds that these people are receiving, it's uh, sadly unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yeah, I, I can. I don't even think I can begin to imagine what it's been like. And mm -hmm. I've been there at times of conflict, but nothing like this. Um, and mm -hmm. it's, you know, truthfully, it's not something we see much of, too. And that's been done no. on purpose. I remember one person comparing uh -huh. this to seeing a war where we're seeing a boxing fight where you only see one person getting punched because the Ukrainians yeah. have been so effective at trying to keep a lot of that imagery 
uh, a lot mm -hmm. of those images out. Um, mm -hmm. How about your, are you packed? Are you ready to go? Um, well, I, I really haven't entirely unpacked. So the, the, right. the clothing gets changed, but all the other body armor and all that other stuff sort of stays in the uh, stays and such. Um, but I, I am adding a winter sleeping bag and a few other things. Uh, along the front, we're, we've kind of become accustomed to not having running water or adequate, you know, toilets and no, you know, central heating. Um, right. But that's sadly now something that we have to be prepared for, even even when we're back from the front um, in transition back and forth. Um, so we'll um, we'll do our best to be ready. You'll make for that. You'll make do. Yeah, it's getting it's yeah. getting cold there too. Uh, tell me about your decision oh. to go back. Yeah, it's, I mean you've been you've been there twice yeah. already. I understand, and this is this will be number three. What yeah. what made you decide to go back so soon? What we need is, is just so overwhelming, and I've been fortunate. I've been working with the, the Paragoff First Volunteer Mobile Field Hospital, um, which is a Ukrainian uh, charity and NGO that um, basically they run physicians. It, it, it's based on the concept of, of MASH, the, the founder. Right. Um, uh, saw Mash when he was, you know, growing up, and uh, and and thought that was a good model. Um, and so these are, you know, doctors from Ukraine that volunteer uh, usually on a monthly rotation. But they're finding it harder and harder to to find physicians. Not only are they losing physicians to to the war, but um, you know the the need is growing elsewhere as well. So. Um, they they asked if I would be able to return and then help them. You know, we're really trying to get them to become um, that they have the trained physicians. They have some equipment, but not the sort of equipment that we would have here, even in our you know rural community ambulances. So you can imagine doing um, you know mash type work, right. but actually not having a field hospital. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's it's scary in in so many ways. So we're really trying to, you know, rally around and support them and and get equipment. And they take a lot of the equipment and they share it amongst um, other NGOs or other medical personnel along the front lines because, you know, very few organizations um, want to be on the front lines, which is entirely understandable. It's a very active war zone. Um, so I'm very, you know, I'm again very fortunate to have this opportunity. But um, uh, I wish, I wish I didn't. You know, I, I wish I could go and and have a, you know, a lovely holiday uh, in Ukraine. But that's not the case yet. Maybe one day. Um, I yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember that that strange thing where you're in a war zone and you're at, you're sort of at your hotel and then you're putting on your. Yeah your gear, you're putting on like your, yeah. you know, your, your military vest and so on and your, your bullet, yeah. your basically your body armor to head right, to the front. Exactly. And you're thinking, yeah. I, yeah. And, and I mean, it's much more dangerous where you're going now, although are you headed back to sort of Donetsk in that area? You're going into that same. I, I don't know? am when I'm going, yeah. um, I'll probably be traveling through the five different sites that the, the Paragoff, Padamsha is the is the abbreviation in in Ukrainian, right. um, but yeah. So Slovyansk and Bakhmut are sort of some of the favorite visiting spots from my last 
yeah, uh, trip over I, I, there. And it's a very challenging places to work. They are. Sure. I was in Slovyansk when this all started, actually. A lot of this, the first really? sort of major set-off of this war was back in Slovyansk in 2014. Yeah, and it was... Yeah. Um, I can't. I see pictures of it now, and of course, I don't recognize it anymore because I know you, can't, oh, you don't. You know, no, it, it's horrible the the destruction that that's happened there. Um, you know, you look at the buildings, and you just. I mean, I, I think I have the same sort of experience that you had, where it's like, hmm. it, it, you feel like you're kind of in a in a really bad war movie, except for it's very real and and yeah. more intense than than it was. In, and I also loved your earlier analogy where you're, you're talking about it being similar to the prairies because I, I kept having this almost flashback in my head where I'm like, wow, that just, that just looks like, you know, I'm traveling to, to Alberta and, and to Saskatchewan and except yep. for the smoke and bombs in me, you know, on the skyline. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Is, is there and, a lot of it is, yeah. It does feel a lot like, um, well, I can imagine that's one of the reasons that so many people from that part of the world felt so at yeah. home here is that it kind of looks Absolutely. and feels somewhat the same. Um, yeah. So you gathered a lot of stuff, right, um, to try and bring over. I mean, we did interviews yeah. at the outset where we had sort of people who were over there, students, yeah. who were sort of sourcing stuff like bandages because they didn't have right. them. Exactly. Exactly. So my first trip, I... I bought a bunch of stuff and some people had donated things and I, I took that over, which was logistically very challenging. <laughs> um, and, and unfortunately a lot of it uh, was stolen during the travel. So that was very disheartening. Wow. Um, but the, the need is just overwhelming. And I, I want to emphasize people are so generous, but what they really need right now is quality you know, fairly expensive equipment that they are entirely lacking. I mean, they have very few monitors, you know, defibrillators, not that we use that a lot, but the monitor component, you know, no capacity to, to run IV medications. Sometimes right. they're doing surgery and, and they're literally just trying to push IV medications into the, into the patient and, and they kind of wake up and then they give them medications again. I mean... Can you imagine being that patient or being that physician? I mean, it's it's an awful way to do. But you know, IV pumps are seven to ten thousand um, dollars. You know, monitors are thirty three thousand dollars. Even things like high quality tourniquets. And sadly, um, there are a lot of not high quality tourniquets that have made it into Ukraine, and it's cost people their lives. So right. I really in- encourage people, rather than going and dusting off the old first aid kit downstairs, if people could donate funds to help us get this sort of high-quality, high-level equipment that these physicians need to be able to do the job that, that's being demanded of them, it would make a huge, huge difference to, to yes, the patient would... outcome, literally saving lives. On a it daily would literally, basis, literally be saving lives. Yeah. How does this one feel, Tra- Dr. Parnell? I shouldn't call you Dr. Parnell. How does Tracy's this feel? Fine. I know Tracy's fine. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's, just a, it's, it's a familiarity slip. Um, there how you does go. it feel this I'm time around? <laughs> this time around compared to past times? Well, yeah, I, I have to be honest. I'm a little more nervous about this trip than I have been in the past. Um, 
because the need is, is actually greater, and I, I feel the weight not only of just wanting to go and help, but of trying to, to help the organization, the, the Paragoff First Volunteer uh, Mobile Hospital folks, be able to, to meet the needs that are being asked of them. Um, I also, you know, those, those drones, um, I, you know, I had friends that were in uh, Kiev, people I had worked with with Pademsha that were in Kiev when the drone struck. And it's like something out of a really bad, you know, sci-fi movie. Um, and, um, and then the bomb that actually hit um, Shevchenko Park in, in Kiev. I, I didn't right. spend a lot of time in Kiev, um, but I was having meetings there on my transition back, and I actually stopped in Shevchenko Park and stood right where that bomb fell and watched a dad playing with his daughter and, and, and commented to my nurse colleague that, you know, this could just all be gone in, in just a heartbeat. And then to see it on the news was a little bit more shocking. Yeah. Just, you know, when I think it's the, the sense that places where you sort of felt a little safe actually are no longer safe havens. And so it, it brings the level of uh, intensity for this trip up a little bit. But I'm looking forward to getting there and being able to, to start helping. Um, I'm just hoping that I can you know, deliver on some of the equipment needs for them as well. Yeah, do you have a lot more? I mean, that's that's part of the whole psychology of this. By on the Russian yeah. side, is to is to instill Absolutely. that fear, right? The, you know, the idea yeah. of these loud suicide Iranian drones and so on. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all there to to try to strike the fear of the fear into, yeah. into your heart. So it's um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 the bravery it takes, the courage it takes to go back. Off, be honest with you, Tracy. That's it's remarkable. It is. Well, I, I, I kind of, you know, I'm not the brave one. The, the brave ones are the people who actually volunteer and, and stay. I mean, the, they're there and they don't get to go home. I kind of come, I do stuff. You know, I'm hoping to do a, a, a significant stint. And, but I always have the option to go home. They, they're fighting for their lives. And, and there's not really a home for a lot of them to go back to. So, I don't think I'm that brave. I think they're the brave ones and they inspire me and, and others uh, as well. If people want to help out, I know there's a number of ways they can sort of find you, but what would be the easiest way to uh, to go and see, have, get an idea of what it is that you're doing and if they want to donate, yeah. how to? Well, there's, there's a, a couple of ways. Um, the first is that we've, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to partner with um, CTOMS, C-T-A-O-M-S, OMS, which is a, a company that specializes in combat and tactical medical supplies in Edmonton. And I was sort of, you know, I, I'm a physician. I'm really good if you get blown up. You know, I, I don't really want to, I don't have the time to start up a charity and do all of this, but people are, you know, begging for some of these supplies. So they said, well, we, we could actually take direct transfers people want to call us up and just say here put this amount on my credit card we'll we'll put aside a bunch of supplies and then whatever amount gets paid down by the time you're ready to have it shipped over then then that's what we bring over so they've been really good so they can be reached um at um allison at ctoms.ca which is a-l-l-y-s-o-n at ctoms.ca and then of course 
the, the people that are really close to my heart who are really on the front and, and are doing this is the, the Paragraph First Volunteer Mobile Hospital folks. Um, and, and there's desperate need. I mean, I feel almost guilty because there's so much need and, and uh, it seems like there's so little that we can do, but um, they're always in desperate need of, of financial support or if anyone has big ideas, we would love to hear it as well. And that's at medbat, medical battalion, shortened, yeah. .org, .ua forward slash em if they want it in English. Um, right. And, and then our logistics Sorry, go ahead. We're just we're just getting low on time here, Tracy. I want to wish you yeah. the, the I want to wish you with all my heart a safe trip. Thank you very I much. Everything, I, I look forward. I look. So I look much. forward to talking to you while you're there when you get back, and I'll share Thank some you. of those other details with the audience, with listeners, as we go through the Perfect. evening as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, and thank you for your support for Ukraine. It's greatly appreciated.